When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The media or the world presents all of us folk in this business is like, we're always trotting all around the world and just on beaches and having fun. But there's a lot of other obvious things that go into that. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm Laura Brown, editor-in-chief of InStyle Magazine. And each week I'm talking to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. You know Jennifer Aniston, right? Great gal. Not only is she on our September cover, she's starring in season two of The Morning Show, which is funny, really, because she's a night owl. So we met probably 2006, seven. We've probably shot at least a dozen covers together, right? I think so. You've pranced and danced and twirled and done that hung. little... Hung. You've hung. You've, you've hung you've, off you've things. You've hung me from, from play, like... Plat, no, what was that? What is that? Late, what is that thing called? A, a, oh, we put you in a big ball, big ball, floating ball. We've had you in a floating, you know, I mean, you're, you're synonymous with balls, with the floating <laughs> balls, particularly. We put you in balls, we put you in dresses, we put you in different characters, we've done so many things. And welcome to Ladies First, Jennifer Aniston. Oh, we, oui. <laughs> thank you for having me. And also, you are on our September cover, which will be out on this very same day. As this. And again, made your career just like that. You were desperate. Please. And I said, yes, fine. You can have the cover. Please bring me to life. Bring me back to life, Laura. Was it actually one of your first shoots since the old pandemic, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe it was. It's so strange, you know, trying to think. How did you net out, Aniston? Of the old panty? The panty whammy. So there was so much good and so much horror happening at once. And I think for me, the good was really a big decompression and a really nice inventory of what's it all about and what, you know, when you're forced to not work, which I know you and I, we like to work. We like to be busy idling is not preferable. It was a really, I think, important for a a big majority of those who were willing to let it be a reset. Let's slow down. Let's take all of this in and and reassess and reevaluate and excavate. And I'm sure we've all cleaned out many, I mean, literally cleaning out, you know, crap that we don't need. What have you reset? I think my level... Of, of anxiety has actually gone down because eliminating the the sort of fat that's unnecessary that I thought was necessary is just it, and so and having really no problem realizing that's okay you know you can't please everybody if you're trying to please everybody you're, you're just diminishing returns and what is that gonna how, what good does that do if you're sort of just like little bits of yourself let's just be let's try to be like the full all of who we are so we can come to the table. I mean, the media or the world presents 
all of us folk in, in, in this business is like, we're always, you know, trotting all around the world and just on beaches and having fun. And, but there's a lot of other obvious things that, that well, go into. This is into, actually a beach. You're on a, this is a beach. This is not, this I just is, you're had on a beach. set dressed. Yeah. This is a set dressed beach. Yeah. You're in Cabo. Yeah, I have a little hut over over me, so you can't see the the <laughs> glorious sun beating down on me. What was sort of the one of the things that you were happy to sort of cut, and what you're going to move along? What's your edit? Like, how are you going to approach things? Say, for example, when Morning Show comes out again in the fall, and like you have to do the twirly whirly—that's what I call press and everything. Oh yeah, I call it the dog and pony show. Press junkets, red carpets, um, all of the sort of shiny penny things. It saves everybody a lot of money to not travel all of these people and then have to create the venues and dress them all up and make them. And do people really, <laughs> really need all of that? And I mean, the work is what I love to do. It's the promotion of it that creates some stress in me. You get like a second of what it is that you're, you're promoting. And then the rest of it is all salacious crap that, you know, you didn't really, you somehow got wrangled into talking about. You somehow did. And then, and it's just endless. Yeah. The appetite right. for that, yeah. It's a big is, appetite for that. Um, one of the teams said, and this was actually a cute uh, question, though, it's saying when, when you did the, the Friends reunion, you said you almost lost the role because you're on Muddling Through, which is just the best title, number one. And it felt kind of appropriate at the time. I loved the people I was working with, but it did feel a little bit like we were muddling through. Let's visit a parallel universe. Okay. Where you couldn't get off Muddling Through. Like, what if? <laughs> I know. Can you even imagine no, just like one little moment, a last minute audition I got at six o'clock the night before, and I had to be there at, at 2 p.m. the next day. And what's this? And boom. What sort of stayed with you from that? Well, first of all, that this is eternal, not just sort of out there in the ethers or on a television set once in a while that you pass by, but in our actual in our body, in our DNA, in our hearts, in our bloodstream, the cells, this is, these people are, it's somehow, it was, it was like a unicorn of an experience that I don't think really happens that often. And for whatever reason, we were all at the right place at the right time and created some little burst of something that landed its little flag on, on a lot of people's hearts around the world. I mean, Obviously not everybody's hearts, but a good fair amount. Probably most. What did you do on your own time, you guys? Because you hadn't all been together f shooting something, I guess. It wasn't, it, it was 16 years or something, wasn't it? I think it was actually 17 years, yeah. I'm good at forgetting. I'm good at like aging down. What is time? What <laughs> is time? But man-made. But the man in the mid, did you have time off with each other? Because I know, look, obviously you see Lisa and Courtney, Courtney all the time, Lisa all the time. You guys live in L.A., you know what I mean? And the guys were, you know, well, um, Ross. Schwim, David, swimmer. is in New York. And, you can call um, him so, Ross. I mean, uh, Ross. He you lives know, in New York. Because you've been on a break. And so yeah, he's there. Still. <sighs> it's the longest break. This is so suspenseful. Yeah. What's going to happen? But what, what did you sort of like have some off time together that people weren't like – filming and resonating this time you know we had endless zooms endless zooms i had a couple people over on sunday just with the kids and stuff swimmers stopped by on, on that the sunday before so i got to meet his little girl who, who, who is just an otherworldly little child human being amazing 
so I did get to see Schwimm, but I'd seen Court, but the Court was in London, but we really did make a, a commitment to each other. We were like, that's that's the last time we wait that long to, to see each other. And then when you do that, like just bring like one camera. Just one. But, you know, Cordy and Dave are the director of the group, so they can probably figure out how to set up even maybe three cameras. Well, if Courtney directs it like she does her damn Instagram, Jesus, it's like Kubrick. I know. I'm like, God. I know. It's a, ten- it's a tennis game and, and it's, it's a like thing cut, and it's a and steak. It's like bam, bam, bam. And then she does, I mean, the, the, the Disneyland, she was, she did. She went there. She had and then, like one of those Hannah and her sister cameras that were sister cameras that were like, girl, on a, on a dolly? Did you bring a dolly to Disneyland? My favorite part of your Instagram is the New Yorker cartoons that you're always posting. Oh, they make me laugh. By the way, one of my team said on TikTok, well, one of the team want to know this. I don't think I know the answer. Would you ever join it? No. I said that also about the Instagram with, I think, that much time in between the question. No. Did you know you have a TikTok doppelganger? who boasts videos lip-syncing to your friend's lines. I looked and I watched it and it freaked me out. It was very strange. It was really strange. Didn't you think that? I mean, she's not exactly like me in in little quick moments, but that's of all the people that, that have said, you know, everybody says I look just like you. And 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 you're like, that's, that was was pretty close. Sometimes it's thanks question mark. And then other times it's like, wow, thank you. Who do, who's done the best uh, impression of you, like an SNL or something? Vanessa Bear. Vanessa Bear. And here's how that, I remember someone saying, did you see the impression that was done on you in SNL? And my first response was, what? <laughs> Ooh, no, I'm not, I'm not impressionable. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like, and, and then they, and then I, they played it for me. And I, I, again, <gasps> is so not the way I sound. Oh my gosh. What? What? <laughs> and then I had to really kind of get my brain around that this was a compliment and 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 take my little, you know, tail between my legs thinking I'm being made fun of because, you know, that's what we always love to do. Well, that's the first, in, you know, first, thing we're... First gut, gut instinct is they're making fun of me. But then it's... Why is that the first instinct all the time? It's sad. Like, oh, what if, childhood. Childhood. <laughs> Commences crying, small tear falls down left cheek. What, what, what is it like to be inside and outside of yourself like that? What's it like to see these sort of like pop cultural like signposts of you? Do you ever get used to it? I mean, I'm also not as glued to things, which is fine by me. Um, but I do when I see it. I think it's. I think it's. I you know. I think it's funny. Tell me a bit. I just want to talk a, a, a dash bit more about the '90s because, um, you know, oh, a lot of no, my more about the '90s. Love. Them. How do you look back on that time now when you can again? You can. You had a great experience, but there was this whirl of media in particular ways with women that some feeding, women were okay feeding on, and on feeding on young, impressionable girls. I mean, these were kids that started in having a Mickey Mouse Club. Right? Me, speaking for myself, was lucky enough to be you know, raised by a very strict mother and the priorities were not about becoming a famous person. It was about, you know, study your craft, learn what you're doing. Don't just go out there and get lucky. I had a really strong group of before I, and I didn't, you know, I, I, you had an ensemble around you. I had an ensemble around me. I waitressed for years. I couldn't get arrested. I got a Bob's big boy commercial 
on my 900th commercial audition. And, you know, I, I was doing off, off, off. I don't even think it was in New York City theater, but it was like off, <laughs> off, off in the Broadway. <laughs> might be in like Long Island or Brooklyn. I don't know. But but it was it was still something. So well, I think those that that group of girls who were teens and and hadn't didn't have any kind of like who am I was being defined by who am I by this outside source. And then those the media full on took advantage of that and, you know, capitalized on them and and ultimately caused them their sanity. And uh, how did you sort of build up your own not reserves, but your own perspective. You know, you were still like mid-20s when, you know, Friends started. You could have done a master's and being graduated by that time. You know what I mean? That you, How did you first reconcile that? And then how did you start to build up a little bit of a fortress? Like spiritual Teflon, spiritual armor. That's how people used to call it, your spiritual armor. Once I moved to L.A. and went through telemarketing and was auditioning, got some jobs here and there. That's when I was building my the foundation of women that surrounded me. And I went to my first circle, being a girl from New York City. And someone said, we're going to go to do a, a, and they called it a goddess circle at the time. And I was like, I'm sorry, a what? Uh, we're going to go and we're going to hold this thing called a sage stick and we're going to burn it. And I'm like, and then it, what, and it does what? And it's going to burn away dark energy. And I was like, okay, I really landed in Los Angeles from New York City to Laurel Canyon. But honestly, I know it sounds woo and weird and all that, but it really did give me my foundation and meeting all of these women who are creatives in some form or another, but not, you know, a part of this business. And that was my, that was my touchstone. That was my go-to for, for fun. Right, because you have friends who had 20-something years that all you guys are always around each other. So was that when, you know, when ill winds would blow, you know, uh, media-wise or goss-wise or whatever? I remember the first time a story came out and there was ways back then where you could find out the source or of where it came, oh, from where from it came whence. from. And then it was like people in high school. Oh. I was like, so-and-so did that? So-and-so did that? And then that's when you sort of had the opening into, oh, people are capable of doing those kind of not so kind things to someone. So that was my first sort of, oh, this is what someone who is in feeling, who's feeling inferior towards someone who's having, I guess, some sort of success, and they maybe weren't, how they handle it is by trying to take the successful person down. use something about them, not even take them down, but just take advantage and capitalize on some silly, innocuous story that happened in high school. That's the thing, because were you at times, I'm sure, more buttoned up? Because as long as I've known you, and we've gotten to know each other much better in the last, you know, few years, but you could be like Howard Hughes up there. You know what I mean? No, you could be, you know, you could have been like, I can't trust anyone. I can't, I have to be around these people. I'm not going to go. But you are, you are, you are one of the most curious people I know. And, uh, and you want to you meet interesting people and you want to learn. And so how did you end up reconciling, especially back, you know, with marriage and divorce and everything else, through all of that to come out kind of quite sort of sanguine now and, and, and open to things? Therapy, uh, a wonderful amount of just trying to understand it. Also being given examples of what I, what I do not want to become, watching behavior of what I will never become, seeing people I love 
get lost, lose the plot. You can only help someone as much as they're willing to be helped. I also believe in the, I do believe at, at the core of, of everyone, there is goodness. And I also watching people in my life go through hardships and just hold on to resentment and watching that eat them away. Forgiveness is not in their vocabulary. That's a real shame because I believe that that is, is, is really an important thing to be able to, to forgive people. I mean, there's certain things that are unforgivable and maybe, but never unforgettable. You can just put that in a little file. And, but again, there is room for people to grow and change. And who have you loved to get to know or meet in the last few years that has expanded you? I love doctors. I love scientists. I'm Dr. David Sinclair. I met in the last few years blew my mind. I'm having a really hard time sleeping. So I'm like trying to understand there are our circadian rhythms and all of this stuff. Are you over revving a little bit in the, in the brain? Murder mystery two just sort of got green is green lit. So we're starting that the fall. So <gasps> my mind is now more murders, I've, more murders. Yeah. Oh, we don't know. Maybe just mysteries. <gasps> Hang on. Are you going to go to Europe again or is it going to be in the States? We're going to probably go to Europe, some other beautiful location. So my the morning show brain had shut down, went under the covers. So now Murder Mystery 2 is now ha- happening and percolating. And we just got the script and we just get, we're now getting it all together. So that's a lot of what's keeping my... But um, you have a you have a, a hummingbird brain. I do. Because I want it to be good. I want it to be better. I want it to be different. You know, how do we improve? How do we... Because it was, you know, really loved by a lot of people. So that was really nice. Okay, so you can't sleep because it's entirely due to your own brain. So as as your doctor, I have... I'm at the fault of... It, yes, it's you because you've revved. Your, your engine's gone. Number one, you don't go to bed till late, do you? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Although I have been going to bed early because I'm listening to these podcasts about trying to turn my brain off it's really hard. Was it because I was born at night? I don't know. But the world shuts down, the phones stop ringing, and that's when I can have putter time, me time. I can just sort of like potter. I enjoy a 1 a.m. gin. But then you get up and then you, you sort of exercise every day pretty much, right? Mm, I try to. You try to do some bending and slapping about? For, <laughs> a flap about, at least one flap a day. What's your thing right now? Give 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 the people what they want. What are you doing? Are you doing some some lunges? I actually have been started going back into my lunges, into my workout routines that were not just Pilates because I had an injury back in the fall, so I was only able to do Pilates, which I absolutely love. Then I had a fabulous teacher, and she was great. But I also was missing that kind of like sweat. And that just like, go for it. Yeah. So I'm kind of going back to my 15, 15, 15, which is a 15 minute spin, elliptical run, and then just old school, you know, I know what to do. You know, I can chase myself around a gym and tell me what to do. But some kind of movement, like I said, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, even if it's just on the trampoline. What makes you feel strongest physically and mentally? Good sleep. Mm. I'm protecting a theme here. I mean, I, yeah. Honestly, that's what makes me feel my strongest is when I wake up and I'm fresh and I have had a chance to kind of 
you know, that's when our cells are rejuvenating, right? So I hear, oh my God, is that your rejuvenation, rejuvenation juice? Has that got anything in it or is it just regular water? This is vodka. I'm kidding. Could you imagine? Has that got vital proteins in it? Are you putting collagen in? This is my vital proteins. Oh, okay. Well done. Thank you. This is my just, this is some alkaline water. Actually, can we just say, Jenna's a car and in the car, she has a fridge. And in the, in the, in, she has a car. Breaking news, Jennifer Anderson lives in LA, has a car. I might live in a car. This could be a set again. This is actually a car on a beach. Anyway, but there's a, there's a, there's a little tiny little bar fridge in the car and it always has fresh, delicious chilled water. That's just fun fact, everybody. Okay. Tell me about morning show that's coming out. Probably why you're doing this cover. Is that why? I thought it just because you and I have fun when we do magazine shoots together. That too. Which that we too. really do. We really slap a thigh. In the morning show, season two, trailer, Alex very publicly says bye-bye to the morning show and she retreats to a more private life. Could you imagine doing that? Well, we all kind of did. So, yes, I can imagine it. And I can imagine it being wonderful for about three months. And then I imagine, then you get like a little, little, um, yeah, this is good. I've rearranged everything. I've cleaned out everything. I've, I've read everything. I've meditated. I feel great. Now I'd like to see a person. Yep, exactly. Now tell me about, about filming it because it was long and there were 3 a.m. shoots when you're driving up Nichols Canyon or something, wasn't it? And, and of course it is, like it's a, not a huge cast and you are the lead of it. So what was the most challenging part about filming it and what was the most rewarding? Well, the most challenging part about it was shooting during the pandemic. Here we are, we're creatives and you're living in an alternate universe where COVID does not exist and yet everybody and everybody was experiencing different levels of anxiety. I personally was able to kind of walk into it pretty centered and also knowing we had an incredible epidemiologist, endless Zoom meetings on protocol, and then going to work, testing every morning, everybody's in masks. And for actors to not see... Yes, the eyes are the windows of the soul. Yes, I get that. It's amazing. But I missed seeing my crew's faces. I missed seeing my makeup artists, our hairdressers, our cameras, our operators, our props, all of our team that makes the whole show click. At the end, you know, everyone was sort of almost vaccinated and I, we were all just like, let's just take a mask down for two seconds and, you know, you and so. Out. You all made out. So that was a tough, that was a challenge. And, what and was it was the best also, bit? so the best bit was just the work. Oh, and you know what else was challenging? So I wasn't with Reese as often as I was the first season, but the best part is the work. The the writing is incredible. How do you feel about, about you as a performer now? How confident did you feel? How did your shoulders feel basically in this, in season two? I don't know. I don't honestly know because I mean, I would leave every day. Because that was not a fun headspace to live in. And I'm not that insane. And I'm not that neurotic. And I'm not that inconsistent in my moods. So to be that is is really hard. It just takes a lot to sort of go to a place to resurrect whoever that person is. So I'd leave the set someday just like not able to stop. Oh, to shake it and 
then all of a sudden it just lifts like this cloud. And it's like, wow, I feel like I feel so much lighter. This manhole covers been taken off my back. And and that's the time you know, it was so heavy. Yes. You were just trudging around. But if you really get into it and get there and really do that work and you don't have the explosion as you, you know, off camera instead of on camera, then you really acting as a healing craft. everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to Ladies First with me, Laura Brown. I first met Jennifer Aniston in 2007 on a cover shoot. As famous as she is, she is an against all odds story of perspective. What are you proudest of? with Morning Show, or what are you proudest of as an actor at this point? I'm most proud that of the quality of the show, that we were able to finish two seasons of this show. It's a monster of a show. The themes, the storylines are really, you know, we're, we're walking the line. Um, it's a group of incredible women at the helm, of course, Michael Ellenberg. Yeah, Jeffrey sure, Mill. Michael, whatever. But we, you know, this is this was an inc- a, a powerhouse of women that that were at the the top of their game, and not only were we producing it on and in the guts of it. Now it's the edit. Now it's the sound mix. Now it's the all you know. It's the post production, which is more fun because we're not having to go and vomit every day. We can sit back and watch the vomit and just watch the vomit. It's- if you're into that. Not literal, Laura. Come on now. Come on now. She wants to do like doctors. She's a devomit. This is a whole, it's yeah, a whole world of wonder. See, I miss my calling maybe. No, but hang on. Would you be a good doctor? I'd be a great doctor. What sort of doctor would you be? Ah, duh. Derm. You'd be pouring into pores. You could do that. I think you should tr- just go try. Just go show up somewhere and just go, don't mind me. I've kind of done that in my friend's delivery rooms. I've, you know, gotten down there. I went to the see what was going on. I held the foot. There was two of us. One was at one foot. I was at the other foot. So I was. I had a front row seat at the show, and was able to kind of go, "Hey, hey, 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 hey." Now wait a minute. Did you ask permission to get that thing out? <laughs> and you thought how you know. large it can go. Yeah, I mean, I've been privy to that in you know child, you know. At, at, sex ed but yeah but still not face to face as it were it was quite literally face to face so next time you're giving birth in hospital just don't mind jen might just pop in because uh she wants to go face to face with your newborn child won't be weird the doctor might have actually said can you please get out of my light <laughs> and sadly and you said true. but i love medicine i love it speaking of people that need doctors 
You're a notorious fan of The Bachelor. <gasps> Would you ever consider? Do you think they all need doctors? <laughs> I didn't. They all need help. I don't. I, I would. I, I don't know what you're insinuating. Um, would you ever guest host? Now that it's up for grabs, if you were to host it, what would be your first order of business? Oh God, Laura! I, 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 I don't know. I think they should have a, a a psychologist on the show. I think they need a psychiatrist. I think there should also be someone that they can go in and talk to. That could be you. Okay, I'll do that. I'd be gladly, glad, glad to. When you get roses that you've picked yourself and you go, this is for your mental health. Health, enjoy. <laughs> okay, now we're going to do some quickie, quickie ones. Okay, what role in your career are you most proud of? I am really proud of this role. I also love Dr. Julia in Horrible Bosses just because she was just wackadoodle. Oh, and Cake. I was proud of Cake. What character has pushed you most as an actor? Might be one of these as well. That would be the, this role, uh, this one. Yeah. Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so long. <laughs> I mean, it's been months. <laughs> it's been years. Let's be clear. Is there ever a job you turn down you regret? Yes, but I will not say what it is. Who? Okay. I know. It was Elizabeth, the movie that went to Kate Blanchett. That's correct. God damn it. And I actually love to ask women about this because one would think, oh, she's done all the things, you know. But I always like to ask women about this. What are you ambitious for? And what does ambition mean to you? You know, I honestly, I've not ever been an ambitious person. But it doesn't, depends on your definition, right. doesn't it? Ambitious just means happiness. I'm ambitious to be a happy, content, fulfilled human being without regrets of things that I, I knew I could have done and I didn't do it. Not like jumping out of an airplane or, or hang gliding or shark, you know, diving or whatever. Shark diving is, is I don't recommend no. it. No, shark tanks. No, I thought you meant from the sky, from, with a shark. No. Who <laughs> <laughs> clearly didn't mean that. What does badass mean to you? Badass, Janiston. Oh, badass. I think Gloria Steinem is a badass. You know, I think um, Diane Keaton's a badass. I'm just being, I think it's like women who have lived a life, their authentic life and without apologies, Oprah's a badass. Um, What's been the ba most badass thing you've ever done? I don't, I'm not good at claiming self badassness. Okay, you ready? We do this thing called 10 firsts. Ready? First drink you order? Margarita, but it's clean, you know, no sugar. Or a dirty martini. What was the first alcoholic drink you ever had? You know what it was? Dry no. sherry. <laughs> My mom it was like, they had those crystal decanters of dark liquids. And one day I just decided to open one up and just smell it. And I was like, what the hell is that? And... Oh, it was awful. Two days not later, a dark, you woke up. Not a dark liquid drinker. I only drink two, three drinks at the top. That's it. I don't have like exotic. When they're like, would you like a cr cranberry, coconut, cucumber, spiced? And I'm like, no, I would not. Or a hibiscus. No. But when I moved in, a couple different people for housewarming got me 
tequilas of the month of, for a year. Like every month you got a different tequila. So we've have, I have a glorious sort of seller of all kinds of spirits. So you could actually come here and probably order anything you wanted to. And it would be here because that was, you know, that was a couple of different friends. Of the month. Month. It was years. And I was like, well, this is just going to go on forever. You're haunted by tequila deliveries just forever. That's your purgatory. Okay. First thing you look at on your phone in the morning. How many? <laughs> I don't care. No, meaning how many messages? Oh, yeah. How many messages do you have? No, yeah. So, so messages first. And do you wake up like, no, I don't look at this, you know, for a, as long as long as I possibly can. And I have this in, in my other room and I have the, the little sort of device that's just for sleep apps and for meditations. And then that's when I can be when I'm really, really good. That's I can. That actually makes such a huge difference. How many sleep apps do you have? Five, maybe. Okay. First person you call. Call? No one. <laughs> My dogs, out loud. <laughs> and they don't pick up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, do you really, are you phone phobic now? I am. No, I love the phone. There's a couple girlfriends that we love the phone. Love a yap. Yes. And sometimes we can be on that phone and be doing things that you're just in their ears. No, you did. I was over there one day and you were like literally having a conversation with someone in the room and then you picked up the phone to a girlfriend who was, I don't know, dating a dude or something. And you're like, soda. And you were just completely in it, mm-hmm. like right into the heart parts mm-hmm. of your friend. Mm-hmm. So you're not only a good chap and an empathetic person, but you're a multitasker. To a point, to a point. Well, if someone's in need. Okay. First joke you remember. I can see something's there, but you're like, it's bad. <laughs> Nah, it's like, it's something I can't, I can't say any, half of the shit's ass shit, I can't say. Okay, what makes you laugh now? Like, what's like the thing that makes you go? (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously, I'm an easy laugh. I really like off-color humor. You know, it could be the dogs make me laugh. Self-deprecation, it makes me laugh. I think it's it's really funny when people point and just are like, humanity makes me laugh. Like, like just silly mistakes, people being human, everything that we're probably not supposed to do makes me laugh. First fashion splurge. What did you buy when you were like, oh, I've got it? My first fashion splurge was not fashion. My first spl- splurge was a car. Ah, well, that's also one of these questions. So now you're doubling up. So tell me. Okay, I'll double up. It was a Mercedes 270 SL cream. It was on La Cienega and where Fred Siegel is on Melrose. I think Fred Siegel is still there. And what was on the opposite was like this, it was like a a pine furniture store. But there was always this Mercedes, this 270 SL Mercedes that sat. Just sitting there? Forever saying for sale on it for like two years. And I remember thinking one day, wouldn't that be great if I could buy that car? One day, wouldn't that be great if I could buy that car? And then first year friends happened. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy that antique car because I've always loved that car. I can't, I can't remember how much it was. It might have been like $13,000. Should have been an indicator. Um, Didn't have an indicator. And it got me home. <laughs> and then I don't even actually think I made it home before it just went like, I don't. So 
it might have honestly just been the shell of a car. I, I, I don't even, and I was the sucker to, to, to finally purchase it. So the amount of work I had to put into that car just to make it drive a block was what a what a fifteen minutes though. Um, wait, what did, do you remember? What you wore on like your first red carpet, like your first like friends red carpet? Do you remember like I, I block all of that out because those were dark days. Those were really dark days. Oh, wait, wait, it's coming to me. It might have been the premiere of Leprechaun. And I wore a lace black turtleneck with velvet high-waisted bell bottoms. Girl. And a possible big old belt. Oh, I would hope it's a big old belt. I'm going to immediately Google that. Leprechaun premiere? I don't even think there was a red carpet. I don't even remember where it was a theater on Santa Monica Boulevard across from a deli. And when did you when did you first like get to understand what your red carpet best kind of pose was? And I'm not saying you spent hours practicing and I know you have a rich and full life, but when did you like sort of go, oh, okay, I'm better this way than this way? Oh, you example. know, that always depends on your stylist because don't stylists go, never do this. Always do this. And I was like, well, that just feels weird. I don't know how to stand on a red carpet. You just stand there and you try to do the best you can. You know who I think masters the red carpet? J-Lo. I want to know what gives her the look that looks like she's like just sort of gotten like angry at someone or is about to be seething. She's pre-seething. It's, it's amazing. That, can you try? I mean, hang on, try. I can't. I've tried. Because it's almost like she's going like someone's, go, she's almost not getting mad at somebody, but it's like, I don't. Oh, I don't know what it is. But she's mad because she's so oh, hot. She's so she's hot it just, just makes so her mad. Bored. She's like, I can't believe I'm standing here. If I tried that hard, and I don't think she's trying. I think for her that's just like just she fell out of bed that way. Okay. First time. It's kind of like this one I was going to ask you before, but it's, it's ruder. Not really. First time you owned your shit. Literal or personal? But No, um, either. First time when you either knew your worth or something you weren't going to put up with anymore. I've gone through phases of knowing my shit. For sure. I probably thought when I moved to California and I was like, I live in this apartment on my own and I have a car and I'm a telemarketer and I own that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So wherever I was at that time that I was feeling kind of awesome and then you reach a new level. I think it's also important to kind of fall off that sort of cloud so that you can rem be reminded and humbled and then get back on it because then you have to have somewhere else to strive to well done great answer first first date greg nunziata it was probably chaperoned but we were very young but i remember i think that was my first boyfriend what age i was like fifth grade Ooh. oh didn't people magazine ask you if you were going to go on raya who did not ask me if i was going to go on raya raya who would go who Here's the thing. These so-called anonymous places where so-called well-known people can go because I guess there's this, the reason well-known people have to go because the people in the well-known areas don't discuss well-known people. It's like the Masons. But they just think that you're, you guys are all going to go there to the place that is sanctioned so you guys can all date each other in your safe place. Yes. We have our own little island called the Celebrity Island that we live on. It's great there. How great is that? 
honestly, that's the best version of The Bachelor is Bachelor in Paradise. Imagine though, imagine if all celebrities just lived on one island and you couldn't get off. Well, no. I mean, that would be not great for anybody. Let's <laughs> <laughs> leave it at that. Okay, first thing you turn on TV. The news. Which news? Usually CNN. CNN. Now, I really have had to stop that because I would, I, I mean, I think we all went through news fatigue, panic fatigue during the pandemic because we were just hoping one day we would wake up and hear something that was hopeful and all we got was just more insanity. And there's still such a large group of people that are afraid of the of the vaccination or the anti-vaxxers or they really, they just don't listening to actual facts, but they've actually come up with facts that they think are facts. It's a real shame. And, you know, I've lost a few people recently in my daily, my weekly routine who sort of are, have refused and also did not disclose. And it was unfortunate. So I feel it's your moral and professional obligation to now inform since we're not all being potted up and we're not in our, we're, we're not in that little, we see five different people tested every single day. It's tricky. It's a tricky thing because everyone is really entitled to their own opinion, but there's also a lot of opinions that don't feel to be actually based in anything except for fear, propaganda or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's been, this whole time has been a real tell, I think, a real tell on, on people, on people's capacities. Um, okay, first thing you do or eat if you're stressed out? A chip. <laughs> just one. Chips. Chip. Chips. Crunch, crunch, crunch. It usually is just one, actually. I, I'm never, I'm good at that. I can have one M&M, one chip. That's so annoying. You just looked at me. If you could have seen the look that Laura just gave to me. Did you feel my contempt ooze through the screen? I rolled my whole head, not just my eye. I guess what? what? You're the best. Thanks for doing this. It is the fact that you are, at the end of the day, a good soul and uh, a kind and interested one and who's there for friends and is more in the world than you have any reason to be. And uh, so I love that about you. So thank you very much. Oh, sweetheart. Love you. Love you. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into my chat with Jennifer Aniston. Come back next week for more ladies and more firsts. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode, and we love your feedback. If you could please rate us and leave us a review, oh, we'd love it. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Erica Wong. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. You can find out more at InStyle.com, and find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrown99. See you next week for more Ladies First with Laura Brown.